Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We are honored you've chosen to listen and pray you're blessed by this talk. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit bravechurch.org. Hey, welcome everybody. If this is your first time at Brave, you picked a great Sunday to be here. Uh, We've been in a talk series called True Joy, and we're going through the book of Philippians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church in the New Testament. Inside of your programs, there are notes. You're going to need those this morning. There's also pins on the back table. If for any reason you didn't get one of these, our ushers are on the side. Raise your hand. They'll, they'll, They'll get you the notes. It'll help you this morning. All right, Paul gives us in Philippians chapter 3... Um, everyday habits that will bring joy to our lives. And if you build these habits into your everyday routine, your joy factor will grow exponentially uh, and your unhappiness levels will decrease. So there are three things or there's four or five things that I want to talk about this morning. And I want to begin, let's jump in verse three, Philippians chapter three, uh, Living Bible. It says, we Christians glory in what Christ Jesus has done for us and realize that we are helpless to save ourselves. Real Christians know that. And then it says uh, in the message translation, we couldn't carry this off by our own efforts, and we know it. If you're going to have joy in your life following Jesus, number one is receive God's grace. Receive God's grace. Every day, receive God's grace. Religion is spelled D-O. Do. It's all about you know trying to fly straighter, act better. Religion is man's effort to please God. Jesus actually came to shut down religion. It was religion that killed Jesus. Following Jesus is spelled done, D-O-N-E, done. Jesus has already done everything for us on the cross. He died to save us so that we do not have to try to save ourselves. That's really good news. So joy comes as we learn to receive God's grace every day. I'm a firm believer that we all beat up on ourselves enough. We don't need anybody else to do that for us. Isn't that true? We're pretty well aware of a lot of our weaknesses. And if we're not, other people will certainly tell us, right? So if you want joy in your life, you gotta receive God's grace every day. God's already made the first move towards you. I remember my first love. Um, It was in elementary school. Her name was Karen. It was second grade. She was beautiful, uh, long blonde hair. She also lived in my neighborhood. She was the girl next door. And one day I got up enough nerve and I wrote her a love letter. And I wrote, um, I love you, would you be my girlfriend? Kind of intense when I think about it now. Uh, but, and then I drew two boxes, right? And it was, there was a yes box and there was a no box. And it said, you know, uh, write, write yes or no, check yes or no. And uh, George Strait, the country singer, was so inspired by my love life that he actually wrote a song called Check Yes or No. And, uh, and fortunately, Karen checked yes, and we went together for five or six years. It was first grade all the way to like fifth or sixth grade. Um, we never kissed, uh, we never held hands, and we never hung out together. Um, my eyes just adored her. Right, though I never laid a hand on her. And then Frankie Valley wrote a song. He was inspired again by my love life. My eyes adored her. I did not hang out with her, but I hang out with all four of her brothers. It was just a great relationship. We were boyfriend and we were girlfriend and we deeply loved each other. And it was a grace filled relationship with literally no expectations, right? It was incredible. God says, I'm coming to you. Jesus says, I will give my life for you. My life is a love letter. Check the box. 
I've already done it all for you. Check yes or no. It's a grace-filled relationship. And every day, followers of Jesus receive truck loads of amazing grace. We're not trying to earn our way to heaven. We're not trying to work our way to heaven. We're not trying to prove that we're good enough anymore. Every day we just get up and we thank God for his grace. And if you want true joy in your life, learn how to receive God's grace every single day. Now, one of the things that kills joy quicker than anything is legalism. Write that in your notes, the word legalism. Legalism is this. I have to make myself good enough for heaven. If I do enough and if I keep all the rules, I can prove my worthiness and I can win God's favor. And in fact, there's whole churches and movements of people that imply that somehow they figured out how to get more favor from God than anybody else. And if you don't have as much favor as they do or as much blessing as they do, then somehow you're not doing it right and you're not doing it good enough. It's legalism. And it's this idea that if I keep all the Ten Commandments, you know, God will let me in. The problem is, is we can't even remember all the Ten Commandments. Like, like let's just try it, all right? Like, uh, 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 have no other gods before me, uh, thou shalt not kill, uh, don't look at, another, at your neighbor's wife. How many is that? Three. three. I think, no, it's three. Somebody said four. Okay. Are you, all right. Okay. And then thou shalt not lie, that's four, and I don't remember the rest. So that's four out of ten. Right? Do you remember all of them? Paul says in verse 3, he says, We rely on Christ Jesus, what he's done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Wow. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Wow. He's getting ready to brag here. I love it. He's probably an athlete. He says, Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. And then he says this, I was circumcised. Everybody say, ouch. Uh, when I was eight days old, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm a pure-blooded, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, little racism, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there was ever one, ever was one. Wow, he's going, he's really bragging. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish laws. They actually created extra laws to follow, right? Number six, verse six, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. Most, re- most religious people do. They persecute the church. In fact, if you meet any religious people here, tell them about a good church down the road or something. Just invite them to go elsewhere because religious people actually persecute the church. Isn't that amazing? It's called sideways momentum. Like a church is trying to do really great things. People are all in and somebody's going sideways with their attitude. Religious people kill churches. And then it says, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Paul was a legalistic, religious person who met Jesus. He was just, he was just trying to do everything just right. Some of us have personalities that we lean that way and, and we're miserable. He was faultless as a religious person, and he was miserable as a religious person. A happy person, a joyful person, receives God's grace every day. And the more legalistic, the more critical and judgmental you are, the more legalistic and religious you are. Legalism just dries up all your joy. Every day, wake up and receive God's grace. 
Every day, God checks the box. Yes, I love you. Now go play and enjoy your life. Yes, I love you. Now go play. Whatever you're doing in the marketplace, whatever your career, whatever your profession, whatever it is, moms, dads, whatever you do, check. Yes, I love you. Now go play. Receive his grace every day. Verse nine. But I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law. Instead, I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself is through faith. The word joy here in the Bible in the Greek is kara, C-H-A-R-A. And the word grace is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. Both grace and joy come from the same root word, kara and charis, joy and grace go together. A joyful person is always a gracious person. A gracious person is always a joyful person. Someone who lacks grace for other people, who lacks grace for themselves, there's no joy. These are the everyday habits that'll bring joy in your life. The first thing is every day wake up and receive God's grace. Number two in your notes, remember what matters most. Remember what matters most. Have you noticed how easy it is to lose joy over all the small things in life? In verse seven, Paul says, all the things that I once thought were so important to me, I now consider worth nothing because of Christ. What was the most important thing to you before you met Jesus? Your work, your career, making money, getting a date? (laughs) Okay, okay. Whatever it is, Paul says, all those things that were so important to you prior to meeting Jesus, man, once you meet Jesus, once you meet the creator of life, once you're in harmony with him and unity with him and your heart is right with him, man, everything in life begins to fall in place. Those things about being cool and looking cool and all that kind of just silly nonsense and the big scheme of things just doesn't matter anymore when I, when I meet the person of Jesus Christ. And when I'm following Jesus My values change. I mean, you can't have somebody as big as God come into your heart and not change your values. In fact, that's one of the ways you know that someone as big as God has come into your heart is that your values have changed, your priorities are changed. What matters to you changes. Our culture every day tries to tell us, you know, this is what'll make you happy. Every day, thousands of ads and all kinds of stuff out there, messages, you know, if you wanna be worth something, if you wanna be, you know, beautiful, handsome, if you wanna succeed, you need this product, whatever it is. And every day they tell us what should matter to us. Have you noticed that television news makes every topic sound like it's the most important thing? Like every time it's breaking news lately, it's just always breaking news or it's, or it's news alert. I used to have on my app uh, the news alerts and then I realized this is not a news alert to me. This is not breaking news to me. In fact, this is old news. Like, it's kind of like the election right now. Everything's actually old news, just repeated over and over and over and over again and calling it news and saying it in different ways. What a huge waste of time. So ask yourself, what really matters most in your life? What's new news to you? What's good news to you? How much of what you're worrying about is actually worth it? What's gonna really matter five years from now? Remember what matters most. Verse eight, chapter three. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
I have discarded, he says, everything else. It's like a guy in a boat and you're just discarding everything else but Jesus in your boat. He says, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ and become one with him. There's things in life that we hang on to that have real no value at the end of the day. They simply do not matter. They're garbage compared to knowing Jesus. And all that other stuff that, that I used to worry about, that I used to get uptight about, get stressed about, it's just, it's just garbage. Jim Elliott was a famous missionary, and he said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. Want to be happy? Want to live a life full of true joy? Receive God's grace every day you get up. Remember what matters most today. And number three, get to know Jesus better. You were made to have a true friendship with God. Getting to know your creator is a key. You know, a lot of people have had a taste of joy here or there, and they're always reaching for it. Isn't that true? We all are always reaching for joy and happiness. Where's it, where's it found? Where's true joy that lasts? As good as any earthly relationship can be, it's really only a reflection of so much more. Paul says this in verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death so that somehow I may be raised to life. You want more life, know more Jesus. Experience more Jesus. There's a big difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. I know about Justin Bieber. I know about Will Smith. I know about a lot of famous people. I'm one degree away from a lot of famous people. I know about them. I have friends who are directly close friends with them. And I hear things. And I know about them. But I can't say I know them. Paul says, I know Jesus because I actually spend time with him. I actually have a relationship with him. I actually have Jesus' cell number. I mean, that's how you know you're a real friend. You've got a cell number. Millions of people know about God. They have all kinds of ideas about God. And if you knew God, you'd think, you obviously don't know God because what you think about God, you you clearly don't know God. You can tell when someone's bluffing and acting like they know somebody but really doesn't know somebody. And it's kind of embarrassing. I get embarrassed for them. Don't you? Millions of people know about God. God's pretty famous. But they don't text him. They don't talk to him and they don't know him. They just know about him. You may even have some close friends who actually know him. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. For my determined purpose is that... Just kidding. Amplified. Okay, that was... That was a dad joke. All right. For my determined purpose is that I may know Christ. My determined purpose, that I may know Christ, that I may progressively become, progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more strongly and more clearly. Man, knowing Jesus, is a, it's a lifelong pursuit. He says, for my determined purpose. You don't get to know Jesus by accident. You don't learn how to hear Jesus' voice 
in your daily life and daily routine without some intentional effort on your part. You don't just wake up one morning and sort of accidentally fall into knowing Jesus better. There was a young man that had heard about this older man who really knew God. It was all over uh, the village, this small country village, and, and everybody knew that if, if you wanted to know somebody who knew God, this, this older man knew God. And so the young man sought out the older man and was asking all around town. He said, I really want to know God. Where, where, where is the man of God, the older man? And, and they said, well, he, he always goes fishing, so he's probably fishing at the lake. And so he goes down the lake shore, and sure enough, he finds the old man, and, and, he, and he says, sir, I, I, I really want to know God. I really, can you tell me how to know God? I just have a hunger in my heart, and, and I want to I know God. And so the older man reeled in his line, put his pole down, got up, doesn't say a word, and starts walking out, wading out into the water. And the young man thought, well, this is odd. He's, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to follow him. Yeah, this is kind of cool. It's like Jesus, and he's... So he follows him, and they kind of the older man goes into the shallow end of the lake, and he keeps walking. And the younger man's now behind him; he's, he's getting deeper and deeper. And he's going, "Man, yeah, this is spiritual. I'm already going into the deep end. This is really, this is so cool. Wonder, you know." And then the older man turns around, grabs him by the top of the head, and pushes him under the water. And the young man goes, this is so cool. The man of God is baptizing me. Wow, that's how we're starting this new relationship. I'm gonna learn so much from him. But now I've been under the water a while. And I wonder when he's gonna let me up. And I'm kind of running out of breath. And right when he gets ready, the young man to jump up out of the water, the old man takes his head and puts it right between his knees and locks on. And now the young man is like dying. He's going, oh my gosh. And now he's thinking, this old man is not a man of God. He's crazy. He's absolutely crazy. He's trying to kill me. And finally, the young man fought loose because he was stronger, jumped up, comes out of the air, gasping, out of the water, just gasping for air. And the old man very quietly says, when you hunger for God, like you are right now, gasping for air, then you'll know him. We all receive God's grace. We're in. He's done it all. But God says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. God says if I draw near to God, he'll draw near to me. I now have the rest of my life to pursue him to whatever degree I want. You wanna know him more? Man, he wants to know you more. Your relationship with God does not grow unless you do. If you meet someone who has a strong relationship with God, a strong relationship with Jesus, I guarantee you they spend a lot of time with him, learning to talk to him, learning to hear his voice, learning to obey him. One of our core classes that we're gonna be offering in October is called Spiritual Habits, and I'm gonna teach this because I am so passionate about this subject of knowing and learning how to hear God's voice every day and then obeying him. You see, the greatest adventure in all of earth is learning how to hear God's voice. Think about it. There's no greater adventure than learning how to hear God's voice. 
And whether you've been you know, doing devotions your whole life or maybe you've never had a devotion or one single devotion, if you wanna know Jesus better, you have to determine, you have to decide that I'm gonna focus. Don't, don't miss this core class on spiritual habits. The other thing that's coming up, our team night on August 27th, there are very few churches where the entire church gets included in the planning process. Don't miss this. You get to come. If you're new to our church, if there's things that you're passionate about and that you care about, we're gonna come and as teams, we're gonna organize and we're gonna plan our vision together and what God has for us. You've gotta be serious to grow. You gotta show up. Everything that you do in your work or career, there's training, there's systems, there's expectations. Begin to apply that in your own relationship with God, not out of duty, not out of condemnation, not out of guilt, out of just a sincere hunger like Paul says, I determine, I really, I really wanna know Jesus. So what do you suppose is the number one hindrance to spiritual growth? What I wrote down there in your notes is busyness. We, we just get too busy. You know, uh, busyness destroys relationships. When there's long gaps between friends communicating, usually the friendship just goes sideways. To get to know Jesus, we have to be with him. But let me tell you, it doesn't take a lot of time. Just set aside 15 minutes a day. Just 15 minutes a day. Quiet focus with Jesus. It can make all the difference in the world. You spend 15 minutes with Jesus, You may start enjoying it, and if you want to spend more time with him, go ahead. But just start with that. There's one more thing about spending time with Jesus is you have to be still. And for some, those are terrifying words. Still. Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. If you're not going to be still with God, who are you going to be still with? We're going to talk about this in our spiritual habits class that's coming up. Another everyday habit that'll bring joy, number four, is review where I need to grow. Take a couple of minutes during your devotions and do a personal check-in. Take your own spiritual pulse. Ask the Lord, Lord, where do I need to grow? What do I, what do I need to work on? Where, where am I weak? Where, where, where do you want me to be stronger? What's out of line in my marriage and my family? Give me clarity. Give me wisdom for the next step of my life. Here's a really good verse, Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, test me, and know my thoughts. See if there's anything evil or wicked in my life and lead me in the way that's everlasting. Write this in your notes. Following Jesus is a decision followed by a process. You must be intentional in your process. What's your system? What's your game plan? A lot of you have made a decision but, but have you continued in the process? Tracy and I, uh, Tracy loves to garden at different houses we've had. She's, she's created gardens. And, and when she's in the gardening mode, every day she intentionally gets up, has a routine, waters the garden, and then she removes intentionally the weeds that are starting to grow. If you spend time with Jesus each day, just even 15 minutes a day, you can get the smaller weeds out. You neglect that, and boy, weeds grow like crazy, and they'll overtake everything. There is no automatic spiritual growth. So what's your growth plan? What are you reading these days? Am I taking notes? Will I even remember what he's saying tomorrow? This September, our home church is start up. What I love about them is all these notes, everything that you're talking about, they then talk about it and discuss it and apply it to their lives in community and relationship. Find a place to serve. Be intentional about your own growth. 
It's like the, the mom who heard a thud in the middle of the night. She runs into her little boy's room, into his bedroom, and she finds out that her son has fallen out of bed on the floor. And she said, how did that happen? And he said, I stayed too close to where I got in. Some of you have stayed so close to where you got in. You probably have a growth plan for your career. You probably have a growth plan for your company, for your job. You probably have a growth plan for your family. You probably have growth plans for your kids. Do you have a growth plan for knowing Jesus? What is that? How will this valley that we live in be changed as a result of you living here? Jesus changes people. And if you're following Jesus, you start to care about the things that people care about. You start to, or that he cares about, you start to care about people. We found out uh, three years ago that kids in this valley, believe it or not, there were kids that did not have backpacks and school supplies at the beginning of the school year. I know that sounds crazy, but, but that's true. And we found out that there was a need. And so we shared the need just in the last few weeks with you. And uh, we gave 72 kids, 72 children, backpacks and school supplies. Give yourself a hand. If you gave, give yourself a hand. Okay, four of you gave. Okay, now, see, now there's a problem, isn't there, right? No, I know, you just didn't want to pat yourself on the back. Listen, it's about tangible things. You know, Jesus did tangible, physical, practical things. Do a personal checkup. How am I going to make a difference? What's my plan? Join us at team night. Get in the plan. I think we should, I, don't you think we should give two, 200 kids backpacks next year? We got a whole year to do it. I think we just need a plan, right? I think we can do that. Can you imagine a child walking to school on their first day of school with no backpack and no school supplies simply because we didn't know about it or we didn't do something about it? I just can't even imagine that. Paul says this in verse 12. I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I still haven't learned all I should, but I keep working toward that day when I will be when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be. This is amazing to me. I love the humility of Paul. He, he just has that, I'm gonna make it better. I'm gonna keep getting better at whatever it is I'm doing. I just wanna get better. And that's Paul's heart. Here's a guy who's written most of the New Testament. He's now an elderly man. He's in prison in Rome. He's at the end of his life. He's an incredibly mature man of God. Some say other than Jesus who walked this earth, he was the closest to Jesus of any other human being. If anybody had a right to say I've arrived spiritually, I would think it's the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. And Paul says, I haven't arrived. I'm up in years. I'm up in age. But I'm still growing, and I still want to learn, and I've determined that I want to know Jesus. That's a value here at Braid. That's why we bring in a variety of guest speakers. Last week, we had a young man, a friend of ours. He's under the age of 30, Latino, helps pastor a predominantly African-American church down in Southern California, and I brought him in because I wanted to learn. I've already listened to his talk from last week, and I brought him in because it just doesn't matter to me just what he taught. What it matters to me is that all of us at Brave, that we're mature enough to learn and to hear from a variety of all kinds of voices that we do not become the snooty church, the prideful. 
We should be able to learn from a variety of people and, and accept and rejoice in different styles. I, man, there are styles of preachers that are way better than I am, and I love their style. I love their approach. And there's all different styles. And here's the thing. If we get lost in style and we become stuck, we're not mature. We're just arrogant. And that's not who we are. We want to be humble, and we want to keep growing. We want to keep learning. The number one trap that'll keep us from growing, write this in your notes, is pride. Pride just stops you. Man, once pride gets into your heart, you stop growing, you start, no matter what you're doing in life, once pride gets in, you're now stuck. Life may keep going on, the hours may keep going by, but you're just stuck. Happy people never stop growing, they never stop learning. Every day's a new adventure, every day's a new discovery. They never stop stretching. They never stop learning. They never stop adding value to other people. Think of it this way. If, if you're not uncomfortable, if you're not being challenged, if you're coasting, that means you're going downhill. You're going downhill. If everything's comfortable, you're not challenged, you're not growing, and you're feeling really, really good about yourself, you're in trouble. You're coasting. You can only coast downhill. All the great stuff is uphill. All the great stuff is about climbing a hill. It's the hard stuff. It's like everything that God has for you, it's about I've got I've to have intentional effort to get there. All the great stuff in life takes work, it takes effort, and you receive the joy of it if you're disciplined. Happiness and humility, they go together. So what's your growth plan? What's your game plan? Receive God's grace every day. Remember what matters most today. Get to know Jesus better. Review, where do I need to grow? And the secret to growth is to be honest about yourself and keep evaluating yourself and stay humble. 2 Corinthians 13, verse five, it says, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups you need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Like just one test is, are you serving? Jesus was always serving. Are you serving? That's just one test. Like, oh my gosh, you know, I've been so busy. I want to serve. I want to get involved, but I just haven't. That's a test. Very practical. And then number five there in your notes, the last one is forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. Every day, you must forget what cannot be changed and focus on your future. The past is the past. It's over. It's done. Let it go. Just so we're clear, I'm talking to you. Let it go. Let the past go. Don't keep redigging it up. Don't keep rehearsing it. Rehearsing things over and over again just leads to hysteria. You just become hysterical. You gotta let it go. Nobody can force you to let it go. You, you know, you can hold on to that pain or you can be happy, but you can't be both. Have you noticed that? You can hold on to that pain or you can be happy, but you can't be both. So you have to decide to let it go. And here's what Paul says in verse 13. I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. Wow. This is a very spiritual man of God, and he says, I'm focusing all my energies on one thing. I want to know what he's going to say. He says this, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain 
I'm gonna climb that hill. I'm, he says, I, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. Man, can you imagine what a horrible Olympics it would be if nobody was determined or focused or put in the work or the discipline? We, we would receive no joy in watching those fat slobs, right? I mean, can you imagine? You get all these horrible athletes that haven't been intentional, haven't worked out, haven't done anything, and instead of breaking world records, it's the worst world record. Can you imagine going to Olympics like that? It would not be enjoyable. It's the fact that through intentionality and effort, strategic game plan, disciplines, focus, goals, priority, that we get the benefit of watching the Olympics in Rio, by the way, I like the colors. Do you like the color? I like the bright colors. I'm kind of enjoying that part of it too. The whole thing I'm really liking. Okay, he says, I'm focusing all my energies and forgetting the past. You have limited energy. I have limited energy. We get tired. We get wore down. We're human beings. If, if you have limited energy, how much more to put your energy in the right place? to really focus on the right things. I highly recommend that you no longer waste any energy on the past. Don't waste another second of your life today on the past. But you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the pain. I, I, you know, I, actually, I probably do. I've been doing this for 36 years. There's only so many ways you can sin. There's only so many ways that people can hurt each other. There's only so many bad things on the planet. And I'm telling you, being stuck in the pain of the past is a waste of energy. Would you like to change? Yeah. Can you? Not without letting go of the past. You gotta forget about it. The habit is so important to your happiness. Three traps, and we're gonna close. Here's the trap, the trap of regret. Write that down. It's stuff that I wish I had done differently. We all have things that we can second guess ourselves. There are all things that I wish I've done di- differently. I just let go of something that I've been processing for five years. I finally let go of it. It's done. It's over. I'm not going to regret that anymore. It took me five years. You're probably way more mature than I am. God, I hope you are. <laughs> Right, that was just a huge waste of time those five years I spent on just bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up, and I finally let it go. You gotta let it go. Here's the second trap, the trap of unforgiveness. You'll never get emotionally free from others, from other people until you let them go. When we do bad things, think about this. When we do bad, you can write this down if you want. When we do bad things, we experience guilt, shame, regret. Guilt, shame, regret when we do bad things. Guilt, shame, regret. When people do bad things to us, we experience resentment, unforgiveness, and bitterness. Resentment, unforgiveness, and bitterness. Either way you go, all that bad stuff leaves you stuck. Constantly rehearsing it. What I regret doing or what others have done to me leaves me stuck and takes away my happiness and my true joy. Holding on to resentment only hurts you. The whole time you're thinking about what that other person did to you and so forth, they're out having a steak dinner. They are. They're not even thinking about you. For your own sake, forgive. There's one more thing. The other trap is tradition. Have you noticed that things change, like every day things change? Like, have you noticed that your body is changing? 
We sure have. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, whatever. All right. Your body's changing. Everything's changing, right? Relationships change. The weather changes. Culture changes. Everything is constantly changing, and you cannot stop change. You can either eat change for breakfast, or it'll eat away at you at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You've got to decide what kind of person you want to be. You can get mad, and you can resist, and you can resent changes, or you can get happy and move on. Happiness is a choice. You're as happy as you choose to be today. We're, we're a brand new church plant in the Bay Area. I mean, it is a huge step of faith. We were given this rich heritage of this church campus, and we are constantly changing. As a, we're like the weather in Maui. You know, if you, like they say, if you don't like the weather, just wait three minutes and it'll change, right? Six months ago, the Brave Church six months ago doesn't even exist. We're way better. Look at you. You're way better. Right? Every, we're, we're constantly changing, reaching, growing. That's what makes a mature team of people, that we grow an unselfish church. Did you know the first year in backpacks, we gave 34 backpacks to kids? Did you know last year we gave 25? That sucks. What a bunch of losers we were a year ago. All those people probably don't even go here anymore, Right? This year, 72, that's pretty good. I think we ought to do 200 next year. I don't think any kid in this valley should not have a backpack and school supplies. I just don't. We're about making a difference. That means we've got to get together on team night. We've got to make some plans. We've got to say, you know what? We're going to change this valley. We're going to do some things together. A fearful world needs a brave church. We've got a lot to start living up to. If you want to be happy, Paul says, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past, see I'm doing a new thing. It's kind of like this, Jesus is coming, so get busy. That'd be a great t-shirt. Jesus is coming, so get busy, or look busy. <laughs> Jesus is coming, look busy. That's what you say to your little brother when you're growing up, mom and dad's coming, look busy, right? Get involved. Receive God's grace, remember what matters most today, get to know Jesus better, review, you know, what do I need to do to grow to get better, forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you so much, we thank you. God, we're hungry to grow, we wanna go after the hill. We wanna go after the hill, not because we're guilt-ridden, not because we're condemned, but we just want so much more in life. We, we want to know Jesus. We want to be the, one day we want to be the old man or the old woman that really knows Jesus. And in order to be that old man or that old woman, it starts today as a young man and as a young woman to know Jesus. It begins with opening up my heart, not having all the answers, but trusting in you as the one who does have all the answers. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if there's anyone here today that you say, you know what, I want to open up my heart to Jesus. I don't have all the answers, but, but I want to make a decision. I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to know that this day on this date that I made a decision, a commitment to begin to follow Jesus. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to have you come forward. But right where you're at, just if that's you, just slip up your hand and say, yeah, Jesus, I, I want to know you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Anyone else want to begin today to begin to follow Jesus? Just slip up your hand and say, today's the day. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to start. That's so good. 
I'm going to pray a prayer. And those of you that, that raised your hand and church family, this is just make it your own as I pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I don't want religion. I don't want tradition, although there's some good tradition. But I just want to know you. I don't want all the extra stuff. I just want to truly know and follow Jesus. And so it begins with me. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. All of my sins. And I, I just receive what you did on the cross for me. It's done. I, I, I believe that you died on the third day. You rose again. And I want to know you in the resurrection of your power. I want to make a difference with my brave church family. I want to kick it into a whole nother gear of intensity. And I want to begin to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.